Man, it's great to be with you this morning. Welcome to Crossroads. My name's Chad, for those of you who don't know me. And what a privilege it is to be in the house of God today. Crossroads, uh, it's an awesome place to call home. We're thankful for all the people that are here. Overflow Room, we just want to say thank you to you being here as well. Second service, will be welcoming our online family that are joining us. So it's just a great privilege. Today is a huge day for a number of reasons. Number one is it's Pentecost Sunday. For those of you who don't know it's Pentecost Sunday, like what is the significance of that in their Bible? It's not for a denomination. Pentecost Sunday is not something that a certain denomination celebrates. It's something believers celebrate. Because what happened on, on Pentecost Sunday, two significant things happened in your Bible. Number one, the Ten Commandments was given to Moses on Pentecost. And then the Holy Spirit was released into the earth in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. So we're, we're celebrating that today, and we're going to be talking about it uh, in a couple different ways today. We're on our series called Game Changer. And I hope you're ready because it's not only been a game changer, but today it's going to be a game changer for us. And uh, so I want to take a second before we do anything else, and I just want to welcome my friend, the Holy Spirit, to come and just speak to us. Holy Spirit, I love you and I need you every day, all day. So today I just honor you and I thank you for the voice of heaven that you give to us and you declare to us the things that you hear from the Father and the Son. So we welcome you in this place to manifest yourself, to make yourself known that the word would be alive in every person's heart. We're thankful for your presence. And we give the glory all to the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, if you got your Bibles and your, uh, well, you know, no sermon notes today. I don't have any on Version Bible, and that was intentional this week. Last week it was accidental. This week it was intentional because I didn't want you to have the notes ahead of time of what I'm going to tell you. Some of you be cheating and looking ahead. I just wanted to drop stuff off a little at a time. So get your Bibles out. Let's open them up to Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah 49, game changer. Game changer. We talked about this, and I gave you the definition of what a game changer was. It's a, a new event, idea, or action that shifts or completely changes the entire course of an existing situation or changes the way of thinking or doing something. It's something new. You bring something new to the table. If you're going to be a game changer, you're going to have to offer something new. First week, we talked about one more round. We said that, uh, yo, Tommy, I didn't hear no bell. I didn't hear no bell. I don't know what your Tommy is today, but I want you to be able to say, I didn't hear no bell yet. I'm still fighting. I'm still standing. I'm still agreeing. I don't know what our Tommies are. Our Tommies are all different, but we still have to say in our hearts, I didn't hear no bell. And as long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep bringing the word. We're going to keep getting up. I don't want to get off on that. I start preaching Rocky. You know, it just comes out, Derek. I don't know what it is. So the second week we talked about, last week we talked about let it be. Let it be to me according to your word. We talked about the kind of game changers there are. There need to be their game changer to you, from the outside of you coming to you, or a game changer through you, something on the inside that comes out that affects people around you. And so we said to be, to, in order to say, let it be to me according to your word, we said, we're going to have to make some game-changing choices. We're going to have to make some tough choices to be game-changers. And 
Sometimes in order for a game change to happen through us, we have to make some tough choices. We have to make some tough calls. And sometimes it's, it's easy to talk about being a game changer on the front end when we're excited about it. And, and sometimes it's great to talk about being a game changer in the end when you're retelling the story after the fact. But I want to talk to any game changers that's in the middle of a situation. It's making the choice in the middle when it's hard. That's when you become a game changer. It's not when everything's figured out. I'm talking about when you don't know how it's going to turn out. When you're still saying something that you don't know if it's going to work, that's a game changer choice. It's sexy to talk about it when it's all said and done, but I'm talking about saying it when it's hard, when nobody else wants to say it, when nobody else wants to talk about it. That's when you become a game changer. I'm a little fired up, but <laughs> calm down. It's the beginning of the message. But sometimes, sometimes I've found in my life being a game changer, when I become a game changer, it's when I do it when it's hard, when it hurts, when everything about you screams quit and throw in the towel. When you make decisions in those moments, I found, and Dawn and I talked about it the other day, there's times throughout a marriage when those game-changing moments, those game-changing moments aren't when it's easy. The game-changing moments are when you're aggravated and frustrated and, and you, everything about you is telling you, you're right, they're wrong. You're right, they're wrong. You're, it's a great song in your head. You just love it. But in that moment, God speaks to you and says, what are you going to do to change this situation? Well, ain't about what I'm going to do. What are they going to do? No, no, no. What are you going to do? Those decisions in that moment changes the game. If you're going to be a game changer, you got to have the guts and the courage to do it when it's hard. When nobody's applauding you, nobody says, when you hear the song, I don't need to change, everybody else needs to change, but you say, I'm going to change today. That's when you make a difference. Isaac was a game changer for Abraham. We know the story now. We're all thankful for what Abraham did, but who's going to be a game changer in this moment? We love it now. We're seed of Abraham. Thankful for Father Abraham had many sons. We're thankful for that. But who's going to be the game changer that does this? Who raises a knife to their son. Why? Because God asked them to. I won't be a game changer unless you ask me to do that. I'm out. Unless you ask me to do something that doesn't make sense. Unless you ask me to do something that's hard. God, I'm out for that. David, for him, Goliath was a game changer. We love the story of David and Goliath. People that aren't even born again, people that don't go to church love the story of David and Goliath. It is the most retold story in all the world. But in that moment when Goliath is standing there blaring his voice, saying, I defy the armies of Israel. Somebody, somebody come out and fight me. Nine foot tall, warrior, strong, unbelievably strong. And everyone else is afraid and hiding. In that moment, David had to make a choice. I'm going to go out and tackle this thing that's in front of me that's bigger than me, that's stronger than me, but God is with me. And if God is with me, then who can be against me? A game-changing moment. A game-changing moment is not talking about the parade at the end. It's about the tough choices that lead to the victory and brings the parade in the end. 
Raising from the dead was a game changer for Jesus. But how many is willing to do this in order to get that? Being a game changer is not easy, but it's rewarding. Every one of these stories, all three of these individuals are some of the most heralded people in your Bible. And they went through some of the most difficult choices of anybody in the Bible. So when I talk about being a game changer today and through this whole series, I want to make sure we understand the power of what we're doing and what we're talking about. Being a game changer means bringing something new, something different that maybe nobody else has done before. The Bible says this in Isaiah 43. It's, maybe you've heard it a lot. It says, do not remember the things, the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. It shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Don and I have been pastoring a bunch of game changers for over 12 years. This church has been a game changer. Whether you've come from, whether you've been, I've been in this church over 26 years. I've been preaching in this church over 20 years and pastoring it over 12. So I've been around a while. Some of you have been here longer than me, and I'm so grateful and honored to still be attending church with people who've been here for 34 years. Because they've seen a lot of changes. They've had to walk through a lot of changes. They've had to accept and embrace a lot of changes. And for some people, that's difficult. I would dare to say maybe for all of us, it's difficult to a certain extent. But we've been pastoring a bunch of game changers, and this church has become a game changer in this area. I looked at a study by a Barna group that studied and researched 320,000 Protestant churches. 320,000 of them. And of them, 60% are less than 100 people. 88% of the churches, 320,000, are less than 200 people. 95% of churches are less than 350 people. Now, mind you, this is not to say the 350 is better than the 200, the 200 is better than the 100, or greater than 350 is better than 350. It's not about saying that any church is better than others on the basis of their size. What it's saying is only 5% ever get larger than 350 people. Last Sunday, we had 996 people. I don't know where four of you were that caused us to be alone. <laughs> I'm still a little upset. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. So you're, you're already changing the game, and you're doing it in a town of 1,100 people. Now, somebody would say, whoa, well, so you're just bragging. No, it'd be like you, God, doing a miracle in your life and healing your body, and you come to say, God, I just want to give praise for what God has done, and people say, oh, you just want to draw attention. No, I want to give credit to God who's doing a miracle in our midst every single week, every week. It is God. You can't explain it. You can't explain it any other way. So we've been pastoring game changers, and we're, we're thrilled for that. Because of that, because of you being game changers, you've been willing to change and adapt through this time, and we've been able to see tremendous growth. But we've only just begun. We've only just begun. See, my assignment as a pastor, the Bible talks about a pastor and a shepherd a lot, and, and the assignment of a pastor or a shepherd, sometimes in some places the pastor gets 
too much credit. See, the, the shepherd is only performing a function. The shepherd is a manager, but the sheep are the resource. The shepherd has no value without sheep. You're not going to sell a lot of wool with a shepherd. The sheep are the resource. You are the resource. My job, my assignment is to guide. A shepherd's job is to make sure they're fed and protected and moved in the right direction at the right time. The shepherd's job is to know when it's time to move from this pasture to another pasture. So I don't see anything wrong with this. The grass is still good. No, I know what's coming. We need to move to another. So my job, my assignment has been to know where God wants us to go and guide and direct to the best of our abilities from season to season. So we've tried to do that. All credit to the Holy Spirit. So I want to give Acts chapter 20 says this, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So now our vision to grow over the years has kind of evolved. At one point, we was like, let's just build a massive big building right here in North City. 10,000 seats. And then God began to speak to our hearts and say, maybe that's not the best strategy. That maybe we need to start thinking regionally and multiple locations. Instead of everybody driving into North City for a day and driving back out, how much greater impact would we have in the region if we came into a community and affected it every day of the week? So then our vision began to change. So we began to think about multi-site. In January 26, I said last week, God spoke to me in, about a campus in Mount Carmel. November 17, 2014, this is why you need to write down what God tells you stuff, because sometimes it comes back to be pretty powerful. I was praying, and I believe God spoke to me that, there was no, that we were no longer one church with three services, but we are one church in three locations. So in this 21 days of prayer, I've got a lot to say, and I've got to, I've got to get through it. As this 21, 2018 started, let me go back. In September of 16, during the Feast of Tabernacles, I, I like to regard all three of the feasts, the, the Feast of the of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. There's three feasts in the Bible that talks about it. I love to teach on that, but... Like, I bring a special offering every one of those three feasts, above my tithes. And, and so I like to set aside time during those feasts. So September of 16, we had set aside 21 days, not our regular 21 days. I'd set aside another 20 days of prayer and fasting. And I was just seeking God. And we felt, Kyle and I, our executive pastor, we were doing it, and uh, felt like God was speaking to us about the spring of 2018. And that was more than a year away. So I knew that this year was going to be different. So as I get ready to start the prayer and fasting of January, God spoke to my heart, I want you to go all in. And so I said, okay, God, I'll go in. What, 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 does, what does that mean? And he said, I want you to go the whole 21 days with no food and just water. Now, I don't say that to brag on me. I really don't. I want to give, I want to give context to what was going on. So I said, I negotiated down to 14 days. I'd never, I'd never gone longer than 10. So I said, God, I'll give you four more. But I can't. I'll wither up and die. <laughs> so I get to day 14, and I'm ready to get out. And I call one of our overseers, a friend of mine, H.L. Hussman. And I said, hey, I want you to pray for me. I feel like God's asking me to go seven more. And I don't think I can do it. And he said, man, you need to eat. Just go ahead. 
you know, whatever, just eat. He said, but I'll pray, but just go ahead and eat. Don't feel any condemnation. He texts me back just in a, maybe an hour or something. He texts me back. He said, hey, I want to tell you to eat, but here's what I feel like God is telling you. He said, the first 14 days has been a certain percentage of you dying to yourself, to your flesh. But he said, the next seven days are going to set the stage for the next seven to 10 years of your ministry. Seven days, 10 years. I said, God, I'm all in. And through God's grace, he helped me. It's not about me. It's about him. But what I want to tell you is on day 17. So I'm telling you it wouldn't have happened if I would have given up on day 14. But day 17, I'm praying right over here before we prayed during the prayer and fasting. I'm kneeling here before, before the day start, or before God ended the day, early in the morning. And God speaks to me. He speaks to me. And uh, I'm like, whoa, 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 what, what are you saying? So I, I want to give you context for something here because he dropped something in my heart. I want to go back, if you will, six years ago, six years ago to next Sunday, May 27th, 2012. Freedom Rock Sunday. It was also Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> All these coincidences. <laughs> Jim Boyd. Ordained prophet in the house comes up during the service and he gave a word. And I'm going to read you the transcript of that word so you can go back with me. As Pam and I were greeting this morning, when I greet, I always stay in constant prayer. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, go get a rock. I said, what? He said, go get a rock. So I went out the door and I got a rock. And when I picked this rock up, and it is exactly this rock. I've got it written on here, 52712, Jim Boyd. It's been in my office for six years. When I picked this rock up, a scripture came in my mind. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, it says, I give you a white rock. I wasn't really looking for a particular rock. This is the one I picked up. It's a white rock. In that scripture, it says, I have written a new name within this rock that only you can see. I said, okay, God, what are you saying? Pastor Chad, I give you this white rock because within that white rock is a new name for this church. There's a new name written on the door of Crossroads. God is well pleased. I stand humble before him, and he has written a new name within my heart, Jim was saying. And every member of this church, he is writing a new name within you. But it also goes farther in that scripture and says that I shall begin to show you the hidden manna, the hidden things of God. I see an outpouring coming to this church and a manifestation in such a way that no man shall be able to claim anything, but all the glory will be given back to God. Within that rock is a new name, a new name written over this church. Be humbled. Be humbled in my sight, saith the Lord. I shall bless all your ways, saith the Lord. Oh, yes, my power and my spirit will rest upon this place. Oh, it will become more than just a beacon. It will become more than just a light on the top of the hill. But it shall go farther and farther and farther. And this church will begin to say unto the north and unto the south and unto the east as far as the west, 
Oh, be blessed, my children, for I shall raise up to you a height that you have never dreamed possible. But you must be humble and trust me, says the Lord. Remember the rock on which you stand is unbreakable and unmovable and unshakable, says the Lord. Oh, yes, my children, remember the rock and the name written within, saith the Lord. Well, after that word, I got that rock and I started praying immediately. I'm like, okay, we got a new name. Are we supposed to be the Rock Church? Are we supposed to be Stone Church? I kept praying and I got nothing. So I finally just let it go. Different people would make suggestions once in a while and I would think about it from time to time, but I just kind of left it on the shelf. But on the 17th day, as I was praying, I wasn't praying about the name of the church. I wasn't praying about that. I was just I've been fasting for 17 days. I was seeking God for our church. And he spoke to me and he said, the Rhodes Church. And I stepped back and I'm like, because people have nicknamed, they called us the Rhodes a lot of times over the years. And I thought maybe that was just what was coming to my head was the Rhodes Church. But as I felt him emphasizing that more, I'm like, what are you saying? I said, God, I'm going to need something a little bigger than just a thought. I'm going to need some scripture. I want your word on it. If this is something you're telling me to do, this is a big deal to me. So I want scripture on it. He gave me Isaiah 49. He doesn't mind telling us when we ask. So Isaiah 49, for time's sake, I'm only going to read it in the message translation because this is the one that he started to speak to me out of. It's good in the New King James as well or whatever version you like. But I'm going to start reading it in verse 8. And in this scripture, he gave me a vision for the church, the vision, the direction for the next season, for where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to be about. Verse 8, it says, God also says, when the time's ripe, I answer you. When victories do, I help you. In the word given by Jim, he was told to pick up a white rock or a white stone and prophesied that there's a new name written over Crossroads Bible Church. So that word was given May 27, 2012. God speaks to me about Mount Carmel in January 26, 2013. And so when the time's ripe, why a new name and why now? I've been praying for six years. How come now you're telling me something? Why the first location is Mount Carmel? We didn't plan for it to be Mount Carmel. We planned for it to be Mount Vernon, Indiana or Marion. Why is it Mount Carmel? If you look up Wabash County and Wikipedia. Here's what it says, Wabash. Remember the white rock. The name Wabash is the English spelling of the French name for River Abachi. French traders named the river after the Miami, Illinois word for the river Wapasiki. If that's not the pronunciation, I'm sorry. I'm just running through it. But here's the meaning. It means shines white, pure white, or water over white stones. Water over white stones, the white rock was even significant, and the timing and the location is significant to God. We were a church in one location in North City, but for the next season, he's giving us a new name to be one church in multiple locations. The time is ripe. He goes on verse 8, says, I form you and use you to reconnect the people with me, to put the land in order, to resettle families in the ruined properties. To put the land in order to resettle families and ruin properties. Over 17 years ago, Jim sat down, Don and I, back in the fellowship hall when we still had the folding curtains. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Our cafe, we used to have folding curtains. 
And he set us down, and he, he gave us Isaiah 58, 12, and he said, The Lord has called you to build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets or roads to dwell in. And I know this prophecy is talking about Jesus, but he's talking about prophetic people. He's talking about the church as well. Restore the ruined properties. The poorest counties in Illinois are right here in southern Illinois all around us. We live in the most poor area of Illinois. Verse 9, I tell prisoners, here's the vision he gave. I tell prisoners, come on out, you're free. Hear the word of the Lord in this. And those huddled in fear, it's all right, it's safe now. There'll be food stands along all the roads, picnics on the hills. We're going to tell prisoners through Freedom Ministries, through the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the Word, we're going to tell prisoners, come on out, you're free. Those that are huddled in fear, it's all right, it's safe now. This is the message God wants to give to the world. For those that are in bondage, come out, you're free in Jesus' name. He's wanting to deliver the message to the world. For those that are huddled in fear, it's okay, it's safe. It's safe in Jesus. There'll be food stands along all the roads. Next Sunday, this word came on Freedom Rock Sunday. Next Sunday, we will have food stands set up all day at Freedom Rock. And God said, every one of the roads, locations, will be a food stand to feed people in this region. The New King James Version of the verse says, they will feed along all the roads. The roads North City, the roads Mount Carmel, the roads Mount Vernon, they will feed at every one of those roads. It will be a feeding place for people with the word of God and the presence of God. People will be fed through our food pantry ministries. They will be fed not only spiritually but naturally. God has called us. I wrote down November 26, 2013. I was walking in prayer and God said, feed my people. This is a directive that God's given us, not just spiritually but also physically. Verse 10 for time's sake, i got to move on. Nobody, here's what it says. Nobody hungry, nobody thirsty, shade from the sun, shelter from the wind, for the compassionate one will guide them, take them to the best springs. Here's our hearts. Nobody hungry and nobody thirsty. Nobody burning in the sun, providing shade under the shelter of the wings of the Most High. People will abide. The shade of the presence of God bringing shelter to people. He takes them to the best springs. Isaiah 35 says this, The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals, who are, are uh, the word I'm looking for is not carnivores, but they're, uh, yeah, they just scavengers, scavengers. Where each lay, they, they eat on dead things. They consume dead things. There shall be grass and reeds and rushes. Verse 8, a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. Each one of the roads will be a spring of water for a dry and parched area. Not better than any other churches that are already there in addition to churches that are already there. It's not about saying we are going to be the answer to these communities. No, we're going to be an additional answer to these communities. Verse 11, I'll make all my mountains into roads. Turn them into a superhighway. 
Here's what God spoke to me about this verse. All of these mountains represent the mountains of influence in society. I did a series in 2014 on the circles of influence, and here's what I believe God spoke to my heart. He says, I will make all of the mountains, I will give you roads of access into all the mountains of influence in society. And all of those, mount, those access of influence will come from each and every one of you in the area of government, education, business, economy, family, arts and entertainment. You will be infiltrating these areas and providing the influence of the kingdom into those places. He said, I'll make all my mountains into roads. I'll make them a super highway. In other words, I'm going to make fast access. God's desire is to grow his kingdom. Jesus is coming back. So we have a job to do in the meantime. We can't be waiting around and just hoping our nice little cute church group, there's a world that's going to hell. And God's asking, is anyone willing to be a game changer? Or do you just want to keep the status quo? You just want to do the same thing over and over. Who's willing to step out and say, I'll be part of something different to reach more people for Jesus? And April 8th, Dr. Burrell, he came and spoke here. He gave me a word. He said, remain humble and upright. You will have a place with those in high office in your state first, and the national offices will come later. God's going to open up highways for you to have access into circles of influence in society. I prophesy that over you. Isaiah verse 12 of this, verse uh, in the New King James says, Surely these shall come from afar. Look, those from the north and the west, and these from the land of Sinem. Remember in Jim's word, he said it will go farther and farther, and this church will begin to say into the north and the south and the east and the west. Here in verse 12, it says, they shall come from afar. Look, those from the north and the west. But I read, and look, those from the land of Sinem. I'm like, Lord, I don't get anything out of that. Land of Sinem. But then I read it in the message translation. And it says, look, these coming from far countries and those out of the north, these streaming in from the west and those from all the way down the Nile. What is southern Illinois called? Little Egypt. At the joining of the Mississippi and Ohio River is be called the American Nile. That's why they named the town at the bottom Cairo, or Cairo, however you want to pronounce it. We live in Little Egypt, and God said that people will come all the way down the Nile. Confirmation over and over, he said, Chad, this is the mission and the vision for this body to reach all the way down the Nile. Verse 13 says, heavens raise the roof, earth wake the dead. Mountains send up cheers. God has comforted his people, and he has tenderly nursed his beaten up, beaten down people. <laughs> All of heaven rejoices over one person giving their life to Jesus. God's talking about an entire region. He says, let's raise the roof. Let's raise the roof of our expectation. Let's raise the ceiling on what we believe God can do through you. What can God do through you in your community? What can God do through you in this church? What can God do through you? It's time to raise the roof. Raise the expectations. So the Rhodes Church is our new name that we're going to be implementing. The beauty of this name, I believe what God is telling me, that we're going to keep some of who we've always been and we're going to reach forward to experience something we've never been before. The Rhodes is something we've always been. 
but it's never been displayed or talked about like this. We knew a name change was going to be difficult when we go into different communities, run into complication. Crossroads is a pretty common name. We're already running into it with Crossroads in Evansville when we go into Mount Vernon. They've opened up a west side location now, so when we go into Mount Vernon, go to the parade or something, they're like, oh, Crossroads, you want Evansville, Newburgh? No, North City. Oh, I don't. So we knew we were going to have an issue. Mount Vernon, Indiana, a church there is already called Crossroads. So we knew there was something unique and relevant God was going to do in changing the name. So here's the logo and what we've prayed for. I believe God is showing us. You'll see the roads in the middle still showing a crossroads of people's lives. We're keeping our heritage of what we've been and honoring it and saying now the baton is passing, we're going into a new season. It's not to say anything wrong with our previous season. It's saying God is saying, there was, whenever God did a name change in the Bible, Abram and Sarai changed their name. What did he add to their name? He added an H, which if you'll study that out in the Hebrew, represents the wind and the breath of God, which represents the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost Sunday. There's a new name for crossroads. He's breathing a new, fresh breath into our hearts. So the vision statement that we're going to build by is connecting people with Jesus from all roads of life. We've been on a lot of roads. Now you say this, you listen to this, and you maybe think we're not talking about there's many roads to God. There's only one road. But what God is asking us to do is to connect people that are on all the different roads of life and get them on the one road of Jesus. And I've got scripture for it. In Luke 14, it says, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways or the roads and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. All the roads of life, go out wherever they are, whatever road they're living on. We're not just going after people that's already on a church road to give them a better church road. I want people that's on the road that's not even close to church to be connected to Jesus. What Jesus does in their life, I don't know, but I want to connect them to him and watch what he can do once they get connected. It's not get on our road and act like us and then you can be a part. No, I'm saying, I hear God saying, go and compel them to come in to the wedding that my house can be filled. So the mission how we're going to work through this vision, three things. I want to define a win. I've told you that I want to win. I love to win. I expect to win. I don't always win, but I expect it. So I'm going to give you three wins. How are you going to know if we're winning at this church? Three ways. We're going to connect people. We're going to develop leaders. And we're going to impact culture. So we're going to figure out how we're going to do this. We're going to figure out how we can better do these three things, how we can better connect people, better develop leaders, and better impact our culture. So everything's on the table. We're, we're willing to change some things. We're reevaluating and looking at what we do in our services. We've already changed some things. Some of you have had a little trouble with, hey, wait a minute, why are we taking the offering at the end? Well, there's a reason. We're taking the offering at the end because we're giving an opportunity for people to get born again. And when we get born again, we're asking them to fill out that card, and they're going to put that card in the offering as it comes by at the end. 
and we get a chance to connect with them, get their information. I talked to an individual last week that got born again and gave his life to Jesus after church because we're wanting to get them connected to Jesus. Then we want to develop leaders. We don't want you to just be an attender. We don't want you to just come to church and sit in. If your desire is, can I just say this for a moment? If your desire is just to come because you think Chad will give you a good sermon, you are living well below what God wants to do in your life. Well below what God wants to do in your life. It's not about the quality of my sermon. Some people want to come to a church where they just attend, hear a good sermon, and I'll be back next week. That's not what I want to build. I want to build something that raises up leaders that impact their culture of their world, that impacts society around them, that goes to work, goes to their school, and lives out Jesus every day, that's involved in the community. That's making a difference. That community says, if that body of believers weren't here, we would be hurting because they know that God is there. So we're evaluating. We're evaluating our Wednesday nights. A couple years ago, we took the summer and we went from three services to two services. So we're going to do something different over the summer for our Wednesday night as we pray into what God wants us to do to help develop leaders. As we're going to go to a first Wednesday for the adults and we're going to pour into our youth, the next generation. So June 1st, we'll have service all together. And I would encourage you to come out because I'm going to focus on these services to be power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. To go beyond what we've done up to this point on Wednesday nights, I want to change the format. I want to change what we're experiencing. And then the second, third, and fourth, the youth will still meet the junior high and high school age. Children's ministry will not meet on those other, other uh, Wednesday nights. They will be, we'll have children's ministry on that first Wednesday, but not on the other three. We're changing. We're, we're reevaluating. There's only so many resources that's making things go. And some of those resources being people are drained of carrying the load because others won't serve in children's ministry. So we're just reevaluating. See, it's part of the job in figuring out are you willing to change is you look at is it producing fruit? If it's not producing the fruit that you want, you trim the tree. Well, you can't trim that tree. That's my favorite tree. If it's not producing fruit, Jesus said to the fig tree, produce or else. So we got to evaluate what we're doing. We can't hold on to things as sacred cows and say those things are precious. No thing is precious. People are precious. People are precious. No formulas, no strategies. The message will never change, but the method will. We're living in a YouTube world, online. People are watching church on their phone. We're wanting to change and be involved with it. So now, so we want to be a game-changing church. So now we're praying for God to not only do something somewhere else, but we're believing that we have reached capacity here, and we're believing God for a miracle in building a new building. So I want to give you a picture of what we're believing God for here at our facility. This raised entryway that you see there, this is right outside the, where the carport is now, the drive. And so the building to the left is going to be, as we believe in God for, would be, would be right out here in the parking lot on the south end. New auditorium, if you'll bring the next picture up. We'll have a new entryway. This area here will not be sanctuary auditorium. We're going to revamp it. It will be entry for the children's ministry. 
be a gathering place for children's ministry. It'll be a remodeling of this entire area. We'll have cafe and bookstore inside of there, room for growth track, new auditorium with, with uh, seating for uh, from 800 to 1,000 people. This is what we're throwing out. I said, God, I'll get the drawing. You pay for it. We don't have the money. And if you don't know us as Crossroads and what we do, we don't go out and we don't borrow millions of dollars. We're just going to believe God. If this is what God wants us to do, then he'll pay for it. If it's not what he wants us to do, then I'm open to change, as you well know. I'm believing God that this church is called to be a game changer. I believe it. I believe God has asked this church to stretch beyond anything we ever thought possible. Why? It's not for the sake of our comfort. I'd be nice and comfortable to just pastor this church here in North City. Some people have said, hey, don't, don't screw up. You've got a good thing going. You just need to relax. I don't have a good thing going. We've got a miracle going. But in addition to that, God has said, will you be a game changer for me in this region? God's heart is for more people than mine. I don't love that many people. I'm just honest. Tell it like it is. But I love him. And he asked me if I would go all in. I said, God, I'm kind of busy. Got five kids and stuff going on here. But he said, I know, but I have a dream. And I believe you, talking about our church, can help me fulfill my dream. So my challenge to us today is not to just embrace a new name. To me, the name is the least significant thing about what I'm giving you today. To me, the most significant thing is a vision and a heart for you to go all in. Maybe you've been here 34 years. Will you keep going with me? I've got, I've got some street cred. I'm going with my heart that I want to lead this church not into satisfactory sustaining where we are, but I want to lead us into a place that all of us say no man will get glory. Only God could do what he did through this little church in Norris City, Illinois. Only God. Only God. Only God. Come on, let's honor him. Come on, let's give him praise. Come on, let's give him praise. We love you, Jesus. If you would, just take your seats for a moment. I want us to do something. I thought about, I'd like to go through a name, some wonderful, wonderful people that have been here for a long time. Like I said, it's been 26 years for me. I've seen a lot of changes. I've seen faces come and go, and that's okay. But I've seen some people stay through changes, and that's a big deal to me. So for some of you that's new to this church, maybe it's your first Sunday, welcome to the church. 
to my wife. Thank you. To my kids. Thank you. They've given so much. And when I present to them stuff like this, it says I want to go further. I cannot go without them. I will not go without them. So you've got to be ready. My job is to develop leaders. So my accessibility may not be the same forever, but my heart is the same forever. But I've got to develop the gifts that God has given me or they're wasted. He said, Chad, I'm not going to bring you great leaders for you to waste them just listening to you talk. So we've got Kevin Gamma who's going to be the campus pastor of Mount Carmel. I'm going to put a campus pastor over North City because I don't want one place to say they have me and the other place gets whatever. Then I'll oversee all of it, help develop leaders and grow it. But I couldn't do it without my family and I want to thank them. I couldn't do it without my other family. You guys have supported us for over 12 years, some of you over 20 years, and I'm very grateful.